Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. It's Geno time in Seattle. Which team could surprise everyone in the Big Ten? And Rory McIlroy showed why he is currently the face of the PGA Tour. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. In the end, one of the only true quarterback competitions in the league ends much the same way it started with Geno Smith as QB1 in Seattle. Drew Locke had his shot was not able to take full advantage of that. Geno Smith will be the quarterback to start the season for the Seattle Seahawks. Joining me now, the man who insisted all summer and back into the spring, it would be Geno Smith. Corbin Smith from Locked On Seahawks. He gets to take his victory lap on the show. And and Corbin, why do you think ultimately this was the route the Seahawks went? Well, Pete Carroll wants a point guard at quarterback that is not going to turn the football over. And Drew Locke did everything exact opposite on Friday night against the Dallas Cowboys. Three interceptions. And you could maybe argue that two of them were not necessarily his fault, but it doesn't matter. There were a couple other plays that could have been intercepted that the Cowboys didn't capitalize on. And he was just slinging the ball all over the place, forcing the issue Pete Carroll will not play a quarterback that plays that style of football. He likes downfield shots, but you still need to be smart and disciplined about it. And Geno Smith is going to play quarterback that way. Might not be the most exciting quarterback in the NFL, but he's consistent. He's reliable. His teammates, he holds, the teammates hold him in high regard in the locker room. He knows the offense inside and out because he played for the Seahawks and Shane Waldron last year. Really, he has had one foot under center since May when he re-signed with the Seahawks. And Drew Locke had his opportunities, but then COVID hit last week. It never really felt like a true competition. And really, Friday was the only time where it was left open that both these guys could maybe be the starter. And yet, it really felt like it was Geno Smith's job to lose more than anything. Yeah, and you mentioned being a point guard. It helps when you can hand off to a, a backfield with talented players, Rashad Penny. They drafted Kenneth Walker. Unfortunately, Chris Carson, his career has come to an uh, injury-shortened end. And then you can throw to guys like Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. This is an offense with plenty of guys that can make your point guard quarterback look better. What do you think is a reasonable expectation for what this offense can be this year and how far it can take them in terms of maybe winning more games than people think? Well, I've been saying this all along. I think that this is a six, seven, maybe eight win outfit. I'd be surprised if they get above 500 just because of the quarterback situation. But Geno Smith gives them the best chance to potentially surprise and be a playoff team. And it isn't that he has more upside because anybody that's watched Drew Locke knows that, that he could put everything together. He's got more physical tools, but potential is a dangerous word. And he has not played to that potential too many mistakes, too many poor decisions. You're not going to have that problem with Geno playing quarterback, especially with 
his knowledge of this offense, the rapport he built with DK Metcalf last year. Two of Metcalf's best receiving games were games that Geno Smith was the starting quarterback last year, two of his top three. So they built pretty good chemistry last year. Metcalf, I think, played two snaps the entire preseason, and he really just jogged out of his release. It really was zero. So we haven't gotten to see him out there. Smith has been hindered by the backup wideouts dropping passes in the preseason. So I don't think anybody should look at the numbers from those preseason games and think, well, that's what this offense is going to look like. They're going to have all those weapons on the outside for Smith. And I'm not saying he's going to be a 30-touchdown quarterback, but maybe he can get you 20 to 25 touchdowns and not have a ton of interceptions. And if he's able to do that with a run game they expect to have and an offensive line that, quite frankly, I think is going to exceed expectations with the two rookie tackles in the lineup – they might surprise people. I still think, again, six, seven wins is probably about the sweet spot for this team. But if everything falls in line, eight, maybe nine wins isn't out of the question. I think the question moving forward is, okay, now how do you solve this position long term? What do you think is the most likely path for the Seahawks moving forward? Well, the Seahawks can say they're not rebuilding or reloading or whatever term they want to use, but they're going to be drafting a quarterback early next year. They're going to have two first-round picks. They've got two second-round picks. Even if they go out and win, let's say the Seahawks somehow win 10 games this year, and the NFC is pretty wide open. So I'm not going to say it's impossible. If Geno plays fairly well, they win 10 games. They still got two first-rounders and two second-rounders they can package to move up and get their guy. Geno Smith is not their long-term quarterback. Drew Locke is certainly not their long-term quarterback. That guy is not on the roster yet, and there's plenty to choose from next year. Pretty good quarterback class coming in in 2023. Stay up to date on the Seattle Seahawks by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Seahawks podcasts on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, why this team, that's not Ohio State or Michigan, could run the Big Ten. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your gambling needs. Three early games on Major League Baseball's slate have big underdogs. The Cincinnati Reds are big home dogs to the St. Louis Cardinals. Bet Online has the Reds' odds plus 195. The Miami Marlins are big home dogs to the LA Dodgers. Bet Online has the Marlins at plus 208. And the Cubs, big time underdogs on the road in Toronto against the Blue Jays. Bet Online has the Northsiders. Plus 200 bet online where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Washington Commanders rookie running back Brian Robinson suffered non-life-threatening injuries after he was shot multiple times during a possible attempted robbery in Washington, D.C. Sunday evening. According to a statement from the Metro Police Department, officers arrived on the scene to find Robinson suffering from a couple gunshot wounds to his lower extremities. Police have identified two potential suspects and recovered a firearm a short distance from where this incident occurred. This comes after Robinson emerged as a possible early down back for the commanders who could take carries away from Antonio Gibson. In one of the more dominating performances seen in Little League World Series history, Hawaii beat Curacao 13-3, scoring the 13th run in the fourth inning to invoke the 10-run rule to win. Hawaii absolutely charged through the Little League World Series as the closest any opponent came to them in any game was four runs. They outscored opponents 60-5 in their six wins in Williamsport. This is the fourth title for Hawaii. Manager Gerald Oda was also there with 2018 team that won it all 
To which he had this to say, after 2018, I thought the next time I came to Williamsport was going to be as a spectator. I never thought in my wildest dreams I'd be back in 2022 coaching a team. Boston Celtics forward Danilo Gallinari suffered a torn left meniscus while playing for Italy in the FIBA World Cup qualifying Saturday. The Italian team did not disclose a timetable for Gallinari's recovery, but said he would miss next month's Eurobasket tournament. Gallinari grabbed his knee after a bounce pass in the lane while playing against Georgia. He hobbled over to the sideline, holding the back of his knee as trainers rushed to his aid before limping to the locker room with the help of a staff member and a teammate. Astros ace and AL Cy Young favorite Justin Verlander left Sunday's start after three innings with what was announced as calf discomfort. Manager Dusty Baker said Verlander felt a twinge when he ran over to cover first base on a play in the third inning. And that quote, we were really glad it wasn't anything to do with his arm or elbow or anything like that. Of course, for obvious reasons, he's a pitcher after all. Verlander entered Sunday's start with a 16-3 record, a 1.87 ERA, and 148 strikeouts. He is still doing it. It's incredible. Elsewhere on the diamond, Chicago White Sox. They have hit a new low after being swept by the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Chicago White Sox lost to the Arizona Diamondbacks Sunday afternoon, 3-2. Chicago was swept by Arizona this past weekend. Uh, In a season full of pathetic play and lifeless efforts, the Sox have hit a new low. Uh, White Sox were serious World Series contenders coming into this 2022 season. And here we are, August 28th, and the Sox are two games under 500. White Sox have an off day on Monday, which is a welcome sign for all Sox fans everywhere. Here is another story you need to know. They're calling it week zero. Northwestern and Nebraska played a spirited contest. Northwestern ends up winning 31-28. And Scott Frost does not know what which way is up in Nebraska right now, but he knows his team is down real, real bad. Joining me now from Locked on Big Ten, Nate Dickinson. And, and Nate, one of the reasons why I'm, I'm bringing you on in this case is Ohio State and Michigan have dominated this Big Ten conference. Wisconsin is is certainly has made inroads talent-wise, but they have not been, certainly in the last few years, been able to compete at the top. We saw a little bit, a little taste of Big Ten play. Do we have any reason to believe that this conference is about anything other than the teams at the top? I don't think so. I mean, if we learned anything from over the weekend in Ireland, I think that the Big Ten West, at the very least, is still going to beat each other up just as much as it always has, at least in recent years. So as far as what's going to happen this season, it looks really, really top-heavy, especially with Ohio State. And then I would put Michigan, and I've been saying even Michigan State probably before any team on that other side of the conference there. And I mean, I'm not making any sort of hot takes and saying that they're the top three teams in the AP polls in the Big Ten. Ohio State is going to be what Ohio State is. These teams at the bottom are fighting for scraps. And and Scott Frost, who we mentioned at the top, has been in major trouble because this program is nowhere near what it was 20, 30 years ago when this was one of the programs in college football. How make or break does this feel right now for someone like Scott Frost? 
it may have already broken. I mean, you mm-hmm. mentioned teams at the bottom. And Nebraska was not supposed to be a team at the <laughs> bottom this season, Peter. It's a team that had aspirations at maybe winning the Big Ten West. I said all week leading up to this game that if Nebraska were to slip up and lose this one, any sort of confidence that you had going into this season is then gone. And the way that they lost it especially just makes it that much worse for Nebraska fans and for anyone who wanted to hope for this team because it was just another display of mistakes on the sidelines especially that really, really kept Nebraska from winning this football game. They were so much better than Northwestern, at least for the early parts of it. But then you have a couple of mistakes, blown coverage, and then a fumble on the next drive. Of course, the onside kick in the second half that just can't be explained. All of it put together, and Northwestern was at the end just really able to, with a lead, squeeze out the end of this one and win it in Ireland and put Nebraska in a spot where, I mean, Scott Frost, should already be thinking that his job is gone and he's coaching to try and get it back. Yeah. And, and the reason I, I framed it this way was because I, I wanted to talk about sleepers with you and Nebraska was supposed to be one of those sleeper teams. They don't look like they are now. Do you see one of these teams in the middle making a run? Because we, we often see a team all of a sudden pop up and they're, they're in competition at the top of these conferences. Well, I guess the question is making a run at what? Uh, Getting to Indianapolis, there's plenty of opportunity there for, to be fair, plenty of Big Ten teams that have not been there at all in recent memory. But as far as actually winning this conference, I'd say it's still the teams at the top. Ohio State's a step above everybody else. And then you get into the Michigan and Michigan State and whoever else is going to be challenging there out of that mess. But as far as just being able to challenge to make it to that game out of the West side, I mean, a Purdue can be that team. A Minnesota can be that team. I did honestly believe a Nebraska could be that team before this weekend just because it is kind of wide open. I don't think Wisconsin and Iowa have quite as big a hold on that side of the conference as they would year to year. Stay up to date on the Big Ten by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and the Locked On Big Ten podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, Rory McIlroy put on a show and displayed the greatness of the PGA Tour. When we look back on the 2022 year on the PGA Tour, we might just remember it as the year Rory McIlroy became the most important figure in the game of golf with Tiger Woods away for the most part from competing in tournaments, from the injuries that he suffered from the car accident, to defending the PGA Tour from the Live Golf incursion, Rory McIlroy became the story of the 2022 season. And then he went out and overcame a six-shot lead against the hottest player in the world this season, Scotty Scheffler, to win the Tour Championship, a fitting coda on his season. Joining me now from Locked On Big 12, our resident golf expert, Josh Neighbors, joins me now. And Scotty Scheffler, a Texas boy. So we even have that connection with you here. Do you see it the same way? Do you see the change in Roy McIlroy in terms of his standing? How have you seen his standing change in golf in the last year? Well, I, I mean, today was was such an instrumental day. It was a really important day for golf, period. Um, the incursion is on. I mean, we've all seen it, especially the last week. Number two player in the world, Cam Smith, is going over and, and going to the live tour. 
But I, I think the one thing that guys like Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas and Scotty Scheffler and Tiger Woods have stood up for is the tour itself. And today was one of those moments that that live tour cannot deliver and the PGA can. I mean, um, you know, I actually I've been working recently in my other capacities on the NASCAR channel at Sirius XM and people complain about their playoff standings. Right. They don't like the fact that, hey, you know, guys come in the playoffs with points and it shouldn't work like that or whatever. You know, guy, and people complain about that in golf as well. But this system actually set up for like a really interesting weekend where it looked like Scotty Scheffler was going to run away with this thing. And Rory hung in there. And, you know, he and Sun JM, I thought, were really impressive over the last couple of days. And Scotty Scheffler was not. And Rory kind of made the run that, Peter, you and I have talked about him making actually all year. Like since April, you and I have been having conversations on Sunday nights about him making this run and finishing it off. And this week he did. He made that run thanks to a lot of the work that he put in. I think his confidence in, in who he is as a person and as a player has never been higher because he's talked about like struggling with, you know, kind of who he was. I mean, his life was very, very public, his personal life, especially was very public, you know, in his younger years. And he's now this mature, important golfer and figure in golf as well. And kind of realizing like who he is in this sport. And I think today kind of encapsulated all of that because Jay Monahan and the PGA have to be really pleased. Uh, you and I have talked about this off air about being Tiger fans and feeling like Rory had somehow, um, you know, gotten onto his corner. He was the young phenom. And I think a lot of Tiger fans felt that they were like easy Rory. Okay. But over the last, I would say five years, as he has matured, as he's failed publicly, um, personally um, on the golf course, I, I think that's really humanized him. And he has become so likable to me now that it's hard to imagine the way that I felt about him before. How has your view on Rory evolved as he has evolved? Yeah, I mean, I was in the same boat. Like, he also had a little bit of the diva vibe. You know, not diva, but just kind of young, hotshot, especially for the American He had audience. that swagger. It's the walk, right. Josh. It's the walk. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the little thing that he does. And actually, my buddy was there this weekend, sent me a picture of him doing it. And the, strut, the strut's kind of still there, but just the demeanor for him is a little bit. I love it it's now. It's great. It's fantastic, but it's... It's a little different now, and he's the guy now. I mean, he is like you mentioned this before. Tiger cannot play to the level, or, or or not even level, can't play as often. Like he just cannot go out there and play. And Rory is that guy now. Look, there's other guys, right? There's Scotty Scheffler, there is Jordan Spieth, there is Justin Thomas. There are guys who are you know Patrick Cantley's the world. Like like there are guys who are flag bearers who can move forward. But Rory is the biggest star in golf now. And as really the, the responsibility of protecting the PGA Tour it is on it. And also, in my opinion, protect like the integrity of four-round golf tournaments that mean something, that deliver moments like this afternoon. I mean, you cannot get this on the Live Tour. And if we lose all of our players to the Live Tour, like we're not going to get Sunday afternoons where Scheffler versus Rory on the back nine happens camp. We got Cam Smith versus Rory. We can't have that anymore. He's gone. And so it's important that guys like Rory is, I mean, he might even have more responsibility than tiger did because now he's not just carrying the game. He's got to protect it at the same time too. And I think he's done a phenomenal job on both fronts. And finally, baseball is a funny sport and it's myriad stats can many times add to the comedy. 
Entering Sunday, the Washington Nationals hadn't had a starting pitcher earn a victory since July 6th when Josiah Gray beat the Phillies. That's a stretch of 43 games. The major league leader in losses, Patrick Corbin, ended that drought Sunday against the Cincinnati Reds. The record that the Nationals broke had long been held by the 1949 Washington Senators, who went 35 games without a starting pitcher getting a victory. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, who will get their season started off with a big win in college football? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.